You have your Bibles, take them and turn to Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. We're finishing our study on Galatians uh, this week. We'll come back to our Christmas message next week and uh, uh, then moving on from there. If you would like a Bible and you don't have one, just raise your hands. David has some that he would be glad to give to you. So if you would like one, uh, we have one back there, David. And uh, David will make sure that you have a Bible so you can... Follow along in the scriptures today, but we're in Galatians chapter 6, and we're starting with the 11th verse. Let me just ask you something, and you don't have to raise your hands, but just think about it a moment. Are you the kind of person that always has to have the last word? You know, you, you get into a discussion, you get into an argument, or maybe you've written something, and you think, I didn't make it plain enough, I didn't make it clear enough, i got to get this across, And you just have to have the last word. You know, I think Paul must have been that kind of guy because that's kind of what happens in the book of Galatians. What Paul did normally is he would have a secretary or a a, a amanuensis who would copy everything. He would dictate what he wants sent to the different churches of the individuals and he would have someone there to, to write that out for him. But as we come to this passage, we find that Paul is no longer dictating uh, in the 11th verse, it's, it simply says, See what large, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Uh, I think what he kind of did was he read through, he thought about what he had said. He, he was having problems with the Judaizers who had come into Galatian and to the churches there, and they had undermined Paul's ministry. They had said he really wasn't an apostle and he had no authority. And then they said... His message wasn't complete. Maybe he told you about Jesus, but he didn't tell you you also have to be circumcised and you also have to keep the law and you have to do all of these things. And And I'm sure Paul got just a little incensed. I don't think he was very happy because for the first two chapters he had to declare who he was and that he did have authority and that God had called him to this ministry. And then he began to talk about the fact that we're saved by grace By faith in the grace of God and the grace alone, it's nothing else. It's nothing more. It's not the works that they were saying we had to do. It's not keeping the law. That was was the past. That's where they'd come from. But they weren't there anymore. And so Paul wrote this in his own hands. And it says he was writing in large letters. It, It simply means there's a couple of different thoughts on that. One is that possibly Paul had poor eyesight. And because of that, he couldn't write very small. He had to have bigger letters. And so that was it. The other possibility, and it probably goes along with it, is that he wanted emphasis. I want you to catch this. I want you to read it. I want you to be aware of it. Don't miss out. Today when I do that, if I'm doing notes or I'm sending something out and I want to make sure people see it, I, I put bold on there when I'm, I'm putting it on my computer or I put it in italics. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. Paul didn't have a bold pen. He just had a pen. So he wrote boldly. I... I I kind of thought back to what it was like. He he's probably thinking back over his message. I don't know who the amanuensis was. I don't know if it was one of those that was closest to him or somebody else. But he said, let me look at that. And then as he looked at it, he said, I want to add to this. And so he took up the pen and he began to write. And in the first half of, of these verses, the first two verses, we see he talks about those Judaizers who had come and disturbed the churches at Galatia and what they were like and what was their purpose and why were they doing it. And sometimes we see people like this 
if we look closely in our own churches and in the body of Christ today. And so it's, it's giving us something we need to be aware of, and we need to be aware that we don't have the same problems that these individuals did. The second thing we see here is when Paul begins to talk about his own relationship with the cross of Christ and Jesus Christ and how it made a difference in him and how he differed from these individuals. And so uh, we want to look at it this morning as we kind of get into an idea of what's going on here. So let me just begin by uh, reading through this and then we'll come back with the 12th uh, and 13th verses and catch what Paul was saying concerning those who were disturbing the Galatian church. Beginning in verse 11, it says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything, or uncircumcision, but a new creation. Those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be unto them, or upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. <laughs> For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us this morning, that our lives may more copy that of Paul's than the Judaizers. That would, we would understand the difference and the impact, uh, the coming of the Jesus Christ meant the cross of Christ and all that it entails. So, Father, help us to be open to the leading of your spirit this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to verse 12. In verse 12, it says, Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised. If you go down to verse 13 in the last sentence there, it says, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. And I was looking at these individuals and realized that one of the great problems they had was a problem of arrogance, pride. They, they said, we want to boast in your flesh. We want to look good. In fact, you go back there and it says, those who desire to make a good showing or to have a good face in the flesh, uh, to look good. Have people pat them on the back and tell them how great they are. They want to boast in, in your flesh. And that's just the idea that when they went back home, they would begin to talk about <laughs> all the great things they had done. That was, that was kind of um, where the Pharisees were, if you get back into the Gospels. But it, it, when Jesus was writing or, or speaking, it was a message that he gave because he didn't write in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2 says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. Don't tell everybody about it as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, you have your reward 
in full. And it's just the idea that he's saying, if all you're doing is trying to get people look at you and say how great you are, you, you've missed the point of what Christianity is all about, what the church is all about. You know, I, uh, I was studying this, and I thought, how is it that we sometimes find ourselves doing similar things? Uh, the key is to stop and say, what is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? In the, uh, the great commandment, it gives us one focus, and that is that we aren't focusing ourselves, but it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love him with everything you have. And, and so it says that we make God the center focus, not ourselves. It isn't about looking at me or looking at anybody else in the church and saying how great they are, but do we really point to Jesus Christ? Do we point to God? Do we point to what he's done for us? Uh, the Bible says in, in John, <coughs> John the fourth chapter, it says that God desires our worship. God desires that we honor him, that we glorify him. We, we think on Sunday mornings we come to worship God, and I hope that's your intent, to really honor him by your singing and your praise and just being here that you've come to honor him. Another passage, it says, Jesus made a statement. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And so there's two things, I think, that are really important to start our lives with. Number one, do we honor and glorify God? Number two, do we obey him? And if we fail in those things, we've missed the point of what it's all about. When you begin to look at the Judaizers, their thing was, we want you to look at us. And so when they went home to the, to the Christians in Judea, in Jerusalem, and they went home because they also wanted to not be just with the believers, but also with the Jews. They wanted people to look at them and pat them on the back and say, man, what a great ministry you've had. How many people were circumcised? And that's what they looked at. It wasn't how many people came to know the Lord, but how many people were circumcised? Pat them on the back. It's easy to get in that kind of mode that framework in our minds where we begin to look and say wow look at what we've done look at how great that program was look at look at how many people come to our church you know I've, I've had people over the years talk to me and they say oh we go to the big church and there's a pride there there's a there's a pride because of where they are do you want to know what I've had just as many people say we go to the small church we have intimacy, we have community, we have fellowship that you don't have over there or there or wherever it is. And we become proud of where we are. I, I think of back in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul chastised them because in, in the very first verse he began to talk about the fact, I hear there's division and divisiveness around, among you, and that's not of God. And do you know what you're divided over? Some of you are saying, oh, I'm of Paul. And I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, or Peter, and I'm of Jesus. And they got so caught up with their teachers that they forgot to say, I'm of God. And that's really where we are, the focus here. But when we look at these Judaizers, one of their great problems was the arrogance, the pride that they carried with them. And there was a problem there. Another thing is that they were compromisers. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. When they went home, they didn't want to talk about how many had come to know the Lord because of the cross of Christ. In fact, the cross was kind of a negative thing to talk about. You realize that? It was 
it was like talking about a lethal injection or talking about an electric chair or whatever's being used for the death sentence. It wasn't something that was beautiful. For the Jews, it, it was a sign of weakness. How could their Messiah have been crucified? That wouldn't be right. He came to be victorious, not to be hung on a cross. And so when they thought about the cross, it was a, it, it was a weak thing. It was something that really wasn't positive. On the other hand, for the Greeks, they saw it as shameful, the, the Romans. It was a shameful way to die. And so none of them really got anxious to talk about the cross. And yet Paul says that's what he really focused on was the cross of Christ because that's where our salvation is. And so what they would do is rather than talk about that, they would, in fact, that's what it says here in the last of this, this 12th verse. It says they wanted to compel you to be circumcised simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Uh, they didn't want to be ostracized. They didn't want people to look down on them because they talked about people coming to know Jesus Christ through the cross. And I, I wondered today how we might compromise so we won't be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Uh, we have a lot of different ways that we compromise. Do you realize that? There's a big one going on right now. They talk about it all the time. It's, it's uh, the issue of Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays versus not saying anything. You know, we don't, we don't want to offend anybody. So what do we do? We compromise. And this is, you know, it's not a big deal about whether it's Merry Christmas or it's Happy Holidays. But it's the attitude in which the issue is, is dealt with. I know yesterday I thought, well, I'm just going to go out and see what happens. So... I went into this one fast food place, and I went up to where you have to pay, and I paid the money, and, and I thought, I'll, I'll say Merry Christmas. Let's see how he responds, because I keep reading about it, and I hadn't been doing that much on it. And I said, Merry Christmas. And he just kept looking straight ahead. He didn't respond at all. It was after he got my money, of course, but uh, he didn't say anything. So I went down to the next window where they had my food, and she said, Have a good day. And I said, Oh, yeah, and Merry Christmas. And she said, and that was about it, kind of a little bit of a smirk and a smile. And I thought, well, I didn't get much out of that one. I thought I'd do better at this restaurant. So last night I went to another one. I was still kind of hungry. I'd been here all day. And I'm going to graduate to the seniors one of these days. They like to eat. Anyway, I went to this next one, and I drove up, and uh, a gal was in the, in the window, and uh, I uh, got my food, and I was ready to go. I said, by the way, Merry Christmas. She said, Huh? Pulled her thing out of her ear. What'd you say? I said, Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, Merry Christmas. And I thought, wow, I'm not getting a very good response here in Brentwood. We'd do a lot better in Antioch, you know, where I live over there. <laughs> so I, uh, I went to another fast food place this morning. This isn't sounding good for me, is it? And I drove up to the window in the first one and uh, where you paid, and I put my money in there, and she took it, and I said, and Merry Christmas, and she said, Merry Christmas. And I went, well, that's nice. I like that. I got down to the next window, and I got my food, and the guy said, you on the way to church? <laughs> I said, yeah, where do you go to church? <laughs> I said, Brentwood Bible Fellowship. And he told me where he went to church. He asked me last week if I went to church. Uh, I go there too often, I guess. And... Uh, I said, Merry Christmas, and he said, yeah, Merry Christmas. But sometimes we are afraid 
to say what we believe or who we are or whether we're Christians or not because someone may not like it. We may be told not to. And there's a point, I think, at work where uh, maybe in the workplace they don't want us to mention our faith or whatever. But I think there's a lot of other places where we just draw back because we don't want to offend And we need to realize that there's no offense here. Christianity is the greatest blessing that we can share. And when I thought about the idea of not wishing Merry Christmas and and these places that are saying they don't do that, I thought back to the idea of what would happen if one year there was no Christmas in America. There would be no trees purchased. There would be no decorations bought. There would be no Christmas dinners. There would be no Christmas presents. You know why they call it Black Friday? Because that's when they moved from the black or from the red to the black. But that wouldn't happen. And so it shouldn't be an issue at all. It should be a, a joy in remembering this. But I look at the Judaizers, and they, they compromised. They were afraid of offending the Jews. And sometimes we as Christians do that too. We don't take the stand that we should. In terms of moral values and other things, we need to stand up and say this is for the cause of Christ. There's a third thing about them, and that is I believe they were manipulative in terms of how they got the, uh, the Galatians to believe what they said. It says, those who desire to make a good showing, to put out a good face in the flesh, try to compel, try to force you to be circumcised, simply so they will not be persecuted. It, it, it Kind of the idea that I think they were smooth talkers. I, I don't know what they had to do to convince the Corinthians, but boy, they, or the Galatians, but they bought into what they were saying. And sometimes a smooth salesman comes along and sells you a bill of goods and you buy into it. I don't believe God asks us to be salesmen. He asks us just to present the gospel. I I love what Paul says back here about how he presented the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, when I came to you, brethren, I didn't come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all that mattered. I I just knew Jesus, and I knew that he was crucified, and why, and all that entails. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words. I, I didn't have this program worked out. They weren't in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It was the power of God that made a difference in you so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. It's important that we understand that the gospel speaks for itself. And sometimes, I I think as churches, we look for all kinds of ways to attract people and get them to come, and, and, and they get caught up with the attraction more than Jesus. And they need to know that Jesus is the focal point. He really is. They were hypocrites. In the uh, 13th verse, he says, For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. 
They desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in the flesh. In other words, it, it, it wasn't something that they were able to accomplish. They didn't even try. They just wanted you to be under the law. In Matthew 23, verses 2 to 4, Jesus was speaking concerning or to the Pharisees. And he says, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. In other words, they, they are the lawgivers. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. In other words, what they say is good, but do not do according to their deeds. They don't practice what they preach, is what he's saying. For they say things, and they do not do them. And they tie up heavy burdens, and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves, oh, they're unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. One of the things that people complain about with Christians is they tend to be hypocrites. They preach one thing and they live another. And I think it's so important that we live what the Bible teaches us, that we don't just preach something and not live it, but on the other hand, <laughs> uh, as people say, where, where's the best place for hypocrites to be on Sunday morning? <laughs> right here, hearing the word. That's the only way we change is through the word of God. And so as we look at these individuals, number one, they were proud. They were arrogant. It was all about them and, and the fact that they were going to have somebody pat them on the back. And you know, sometimes when we're ministering and we're working hard and nobody comes and says, wow, thank you, we get a little frustrated. But we need to just stop and realize why we're doing it. Who are we serving? What's it about? Who's it about? They had, they had missed that point. And, and then they were, they were compromisers. They were afraid of what other people would say. And so they watered down the gospel. They watered down the message so it wouldn't offend the Jews when they went home. They were manipulative. They, they tried to manipulate people into believing and doing what they said so that they would get the credit. And they were hypocritical. Paul, in the next couple of verses, talks about his own life. Over in verse 14, it says, "May, But may it never be that I would boast, oh, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me. I'm no longer part of the world. I was at one time, and I was crucified to the world. I'm no longer a part of the world system. And as I look at Paul, and he says, I don't boast in myself Boy, if there's anybody that had a right to boast, it was Paul. And yet here was a guy that was so humble. Just the opposite of the others. They were proud, they were arrogant. And here was Paul, and he was so humble. And he says, it's not all about me. And you know, if you, if you read the book of Galatians again, Paul keeps coming back to the cross. He keeps mentioning the cross. In fact, uh, he mentions Jesus. Jesus, I, I counted it. He is mentioned either as Jesus or Christ over 40 times in this little book. Because that was so important. You know, when, when Paul was a, a young man and he was a Jewish Pharisee, he had all of the rights to boast and be arrogant. Uh, back in Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And Paul made this statement. He says, finally, my brethren, re rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. It's a, a safeguard for you. Oh, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision. It's not about a circumcision of the flesh, it's a circumcision of the heart, you see. 
we're the true circumcision who worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in the work we do. Although I myself, oh, I might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, oh, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. But whatever things, this is where it all changes, because this is where I met Jesus. Jesus changed everything. It says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but garbage, as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. That's where it comes. It's in Christ. It's not how good we are. It's not what we do. It's what Jesus did. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. What the whole book of Galatians was about. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, it's, it's, it's not about me. It's about the crucified Lord. And that's what we have to come back to because it's so easy to get caught up with what we do or what we don't do or where we are or where we aren't and who's telling us we're doing a good job. And You know, I, I, I appreciated a, an old pastor who made a statement. I read his book. <laughs> well, actually, he was an old professor uh, from Dallas Seminary. And he says, you go out and you stand at the door and people go by after the sermon and they're shaking your hand and going, great job, pastor. Good job, pastor. Man, that was great, pastor. He said, don't you guys buy into that? He says, that's the glorification of the worm ceremony. You need to realize it's about Jesus and not you. It's about the cross and not what we do. And everything that that cross makes up, including the coming of the Holy Spirit. And certainly we saw that in the book of Galatians as it talked about the fruit of the Spirit and how he works in our lives and makes a difference in who we are. I, I would have to say that Paul didn't glorify himself, but he glorified the fact that he knew Jesus. And that's what we have. Do we know the Lord? But you know, not only did he know Jesus, he knew the power of the cross and Boy, the cross changes people. It, it makes a difference in who we are. It changed Paul. Back in, in Galatians chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1, it says it was for freedom. It was for liberty that Christ set us free. Therefore, do not keep, or keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Gave us freedom from sin. Sin no longer has that control over us. Sin doesn't have to have the penalty that it once did. We don't have to carry the guilt that we have in the past because of what's happened. We have freedom from sin. We have freedom from legalism and all the rules and regulations that hold us down in terms of our relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that's so important. We have freedom 
victory over the flesh, over the world system. You know, in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified as Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh right now, it's no longer me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And so we need to understand that when we come to Jesus Christ, we're changed. We become different. It may not be evident immediately, but certainly as you live according to the Word of God and you allow the Spirit to work in you, you will see that change in you. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, and this is it, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. They're gone. All things become new. We become new in Jesus Christ. And you know, when we live according to that standard, and we live according to what God wants, he changes how we live. He changes what's important to us. He changes the activities of our life. He changes... Marriages, if we allow him to. I'll tell you what, I believe that when a man and a woman come to know Jesus Christ and they're married and they're willing to put their lives in the hands of Jesus Christ first and foremost in his word, any marriage can be salvaged and put together and made whole. I believe that God changes lives in the way we relate to people. Because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand that, that that is an amazing thing. We have victory in Jesus. The Bible says we are to walk by the Spirit. If you go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and then over to verse 25, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. That, that flesh no longer controls you. It wants to, but it doesn't. You go down to verse 25, it says, If we live by the Spirit... Let us walk by the Spirit. Let us pattern our lives after the Spirit. So Paul knew that the cross changes lives. It transforms people. Now verse 16. And there's another purpose. It, it gives a whole new group of people, a whole new nation. It says those who walk by this rule. Uh, comes from the word for a standard. It, it, the, the Greek word is canon. It's the standard. It's the ruler. Those who walk by this principle, then peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God. A new nation, back in Galatians chapter 3, in the uh, 7th through the ninth verses, let me read it to you, 3 verses 7 to 9. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All nations will be blessed in you. We become, it said, the, uh, <clears throat> the Israel of God. Doesn't mean that we take the place of Israel in the Old Testament. That was uh, a bloodline, it was a nation. Uh, they were of the, the line of. Of Abraham, but we are of the line of Abraham in another way, and that's through faith. The Israel that we're a part of is is a faith Israel. It's it's the fact that we have faith in Him. First uh, Peter chapter two, verse five to ten, it, it speaks of who we are in Christ. 
chapter five, uh, 2, verse 5. It says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as a holy priesthood, to offer up sacrificial sacrifices or spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. That was Jesus. This precious value then is for you who believe, not for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the cornerstone, the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those who didn't believe, to the Jews For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race. There it is, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. You weren't part of it. But now you are a people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, God's mercy. The church is that nation. It's made up of all people that come to know Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter any of those things that we tend to think are so important But it's all about that relationship with Jesus Christ on account of the cross of Christ. That's where it all starts. And when we experience that relationship with Christ, receiving him and the forgiveness he gives us through the cross and his sacrifice, then we can have that life that God wants us to have. And we become that nation of faith, that that Israel of faith, I guess we could say, because we are the faith offspring of Abraham. Now, has God done with the Israel of the Old Testament? No. We've been studying that in prophecy on Sunday nights, and he's still going to finish up with the promises and the covenants he made there. There's no doubt there. We didn't take their place. But it's a different relationship that we have with God. And it's based on faith as a result of the cross of Christ, which Paul was talking about. Oh, he was so adamant that they needed to understand that, that that was important because the Judaizers had missed the whole point. Paul goes on and and makes an amazing statement in verse 17. He says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. They had said before that he wasn't truly an apostle. He said, don't let anybody cause trouble for me, for I on my body, I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. In the time of Paul, there were those who had brands that were placed upon them. They would have a brand on the head if they were under a certain general. Or if they were a slave, they may be branded so they would know who the owner was. Or uh, if you were part of a large temple, you may have a brand to show that. For the Jews, it was circumcision. But Paul says, I wear the brand mark of Jesus. And if he pulled back his robe from his back, you would have seen the stripes and the bruises and the scars that he bore because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what Paul said? It's all worthwhile. 
because of the cross of Christ. And I hope as you look back on the book of Galatians, you'll remember that there were those who came in and, and, oh, it was all about them. It was their pride, their arrogance. They wanted to move Paul aside so they would look good instead of him. They were compromisers. They compromised the faith so it fit where they wanted and they wouldn't undergo persecution like Paul did. They manipulated people to believe what they believed instead of what Paul taught. And they were hypocrites. Oh, might we be like Paul and boast in nothing more than the cross of Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, what a great book. Boy, the message of of Galatians, Paul just kept coming back to it and coming back to it and coming back to it that we are saved not by the works we do. It's not about who we are, but it's about who Jesus Christ is. And so... And so we understand that salvation is through faith in the grace of God. Nothing more, but nothing less. And if we miss that, we miss the life-changing experience of knowing Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this book. Thank you for the lessons it has taught us and just what we have seen in our study here. Uh, Might your spirit continue to direct and guide in terms of this Christmas season and then on into the new year. And I pray, Lord, that you truly would be glorified in this church and that we would brag about Jesus and who he is and the difference he makes in our lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.